were I to speak precisely on the advertised topic, has science disproved Christianity and the Bible, I might deliver the shortest sermon ever. The one word sermon, no, exclamation mark. Uh, so rather than speak on that precise topic, I'll actually narrow the topic even further and uh, concentrate rather than on science in general, but my specialty, uh, which is physics, as you've heard. But I'll also broaden the topic uh, somewhat beyond simply proving and disproving uh, to consider more widely how physics and Christianity relate or interact. I'll start by saying physicists are among the most arrogant people in the world. And uh, I can say this because uh, I'm a physicist. To give you an example, about 34 years ago, in fact in the summer of 1979-1980, I was a vacation research scholar at the nuclear physics department of the Australian National University in Canberra. Uh, one of the members of that department was Sir Ernest Titterton. And uh, I recall each morning, <coughs> sitting at morning tea, and uh, Sir Ernest would uh, hold court, and uh, the conversation would inevitably turn, uh, take the turn that no matter what the discussion item was, no matter what the problem was, uh, if only physicists were in charge, it would be solved. Uh, so it didn't matter if it was politics, economics, uh, cooking, the environment. Uh, if only physicists had their say, <coughs> everything would be, would be okay. Now, uh, physicists think... I mean, literally, they know everything. And uh, I don't say this, say this lightly. Uh, in physics, there is so-called grand unified theory, or G-U-T, or GUT. And uh, that, in fact, is a subset of the so-called theory of everything, T-O-E, or TO. Now, uh, these expressions aren't used ironically, uh, but seriously, that the physics in the end, there's this idea of physics in the end, can account for everything. And uh, the idea is not so preposterous as it, uh, as it may sound uh, because in the history of physics there's been this program of unification bringing together disparate phenomena and uh, having less and less unexplained or outside uh, the realm of uh, physical explanation. Uh, so, for example, going back uh, centuries, uh, electricity and magnetism uh, were thought of as separate phenomena. Uh, but now it's realised uh, that these are connected. And so, for example, an electric current produces a magnetic field. And likewise, from a changing magnetic flux, uh, an electric potential can be produced. So we can still discuss electricity as separate from magnetism, but it makes more sense to recognise them as uh, two parts of the one coin, two sides of the one coin, the coin of uh, what's now called electromagnetism. And uh, this, uh, <coughs> this sort of program continues, uh, that uh, now electromagnetism has been unified with the so-called uh, so weak nuclear force to have the electro-weak force. And so continuing in this way, uh, we end up with a so-called grand unified theory. And lots of things which might have been looked at as separate from maybe the force of a spring, uh, friction, these are now seen as part of, say, electromagnetism and it's part of this whole grand unified theory. So uh, as I said, physicists have been explaining more and more and historically, that's meant then that there seems to be less and less unexplained, less and less which needs a god or, or gods for uh, its explanation. So uh, if we think of something like the rise and fall of the tides, uh, that is explained by physicists in terms of the gravitational force between 
the sun and uh, the sun, the moon, the earth, uh, the water on the earth, uh, and it can be explained very precisely using that model. Another explanation or an alternative explanation uh, before that one was that there was a sea god, and as the sea god uh, breathed uh, in and out, uh, the tides rose and fell. Uh, if you think of lightning and thunder, uh, one explanation is uh, Thor, the god Thor, uh, is responsible. Uh, a physicist's explanation is that uh, the electric discharge of lightning causes a rapid expansion of air due to the heating and then the collapse causes a sound wave and, and this is the explanation of thunder. So as the explanatory power of physics increases more and more to explain the tides, to explain thunder and lightning, the scope or the room for the gods or the god seems to decrease. We don't need the sea god to explain the tides. We don't uh, need uh, four to explain thunder and lightning. Now, just because physics can explain some things like thunder and lightning, the tides, um, doesn't mean it can necessarily explain everything, uh, but a physicist often argues that it can, uh, or they take the so-called reductionist position that everything in the end reduces to the fundamental interactions between uh, atoms. And so physics, uh, which explains those very fundamental interactions, then is the basis for chemistry, or chemistry is simply uh, applied physics. And then something like biology can be looked at as applied chemistry. Psychology, perhaps, is uh, merely applied, applied biology. And then history, economics, is uh, you know, applied, applied psychology. So uh, if you explain matter and energy according to this, uh, everything, else, everything else follows. Everything else uh, is explained. So, uh, so given that physicists hold these sorts of views, uh, that they can explain everything and that there's no need, no room uh, for God, uh, then uh, physicists are sometimes viewed with suspicion by, by Christians and, and also perhaps by uh, society more broadly. Uh, I'll mention as well, physics, physicists or physics uh, is something that's relatively new in the, in the history of the world uh, and uh, physicists have uh, emerged perhaps since the Middle Ages or or uh, in the last few hundred years as a, as a profession. But the knowledge that they had was always associated with, with power or was seen to be useful by, uh, by people in power, politicians and so on. And this is perhaps illustrated to the extreme with the power inside the atom that was unleashed during the Second World War in, in the enormity of the atom bomb. And even, even from the first, the atom bomb was described in religious terms. Uh, so, for example, these lines from the Bhagavad Gita, Brighter Than a Thousand Suns, is the title of one of the uh, books about that time, The History of the Atom Bomb. Uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, who directed the Los Alamos Laboratory where the, where the atom bomb was developed, uh, recalled at the first detonation of the first atom bomb that he thought of another line from the Bhagavad Gita, uh, Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. So physicists were closed not only with great power and great understanding, but with great destructiveness, or associated with the great destructiveness of the atom bomb. And the knowledge of that uh, was literally secret knowledge. It was classified wartime secrets at the time. It was hidden first from the Germans and then later hidden from the Russians. And uh, countless post-war films and uh, television episodes and so on pictured physicists, sometimes as simply bumbling, uh, but more often positively sinister, but always having this esoteric knowledge of, of great importance. It was the physicist that had to be captured or smuggled or tortured uh, because uh, that was where this great power uh, lay. So the concept of a mad scientist 
Uh, it was perhaps then uh, strengthened into the evil scientist and uh, popular culture embraced this. If you uh, think of uh, any number of James Bond movies, uh, think of the villain. So physicists in this sense were portrayed as, as irredeemable, um, as beyond the pale, uh, as in some sense personifying wickedness. And to some extent this image might have been softened since uh, in the last 50 years there's such an uh, advent of medical resonance imaging uh, which was developed by physicists that uh, won the Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine in 2003, for example. But uh, let's just be clear, a lot of physicists are atheists. And uh, it's uh, pretty clear the prevalence of atheism among physicists is larger than among the general population. So I have some uh, statistics here from a study uh, from the US between, uh, of scientists in the US National Academy of Sciences. And uh, in that survey, 7.5% of physicists expressed a belief in a personal god. 13.5% uh, were agnostic, so doubt or uh, they were unsure. And 79% uh, expressed disbelief in a personal god. So approximately four out of five physicists uh, in that survey did not believe uh, in a god. In contrast, if you look at the general population, and here I have some data from the last Australian census in 2011, uh, the question there was about religious affiliation. So 22, only 22% of the population claimed to have no religious affiliation and 61% claimed to be Christian. So three out of five people who filled in that uh, survey uh, two or three years ago uh, claimed to be Christian. So uh, given that that data was from different countries and from uh, different times and so on, it's not directly comparable, but uh, I think it's clear that there are fewer believers among physicists than among the general population. And uh, indeed, uh, in the popular view of things or, or in the celebrity world, uh, many of the best-known atheists, uh, you might say celebrity atheists, uh, turn out to be physicists. I'll mention a, a couple here. Uh, Lawrence Krauss is an American theoretical physicist. Uh, he, he was in Australia last year. You may have uh, heard him or, or seen, seen reports of that. Uh, he wrote a book in a couple of years ago, called A Universe from Nothing, Why There is Something Rather Than Nothing. Now this question, why is there something rather than nothing, is often put as a fundamental philosophical question. I mean, this very basic question about existence. Why is there even anything at all? Uh, why, not even why am I here, why are you here, why is the building here, why is the world here, why, why is there anything? Uh, and of course a Christian answer, perhaps without thinking about it, a Christian would say, because God created the world, or God, God made it. Uh, but he it was demonstrating, or, or demonstrating uh, that from the vacuum, from nothing, there's a possibility, according to quantum fluctuations and perhaps technical details I won't go into, but that there's a possibility of something emerging from, from nothingness, according to uh, physical laws, uh, and this book uh, was on this theme. So that book included uh, an afterword from, from Richard Dawkins, who's probably the most famous or notorious uh, atheist, uh, it was to have included um, a, a, a second forward or an afterward from Christopher Hitchens, but he, he actually passed away before the book was uh, finished. Uh, but uh, that's the, the sort of the level of uh, promotion or of uh, importance or of uh, media, uh, media uh, importance that's given to this sort of work. Uh, Krauss, in fact, doesn't describe himself as an atheist, but as an anti-theist, which is interesting. So he's not so much saying there is no God, but that he's actively against God. 
Uh, another physicist I'll mention, uh, Victor Stenger, he, he is an aggressive atheist and uh, makes no bones about it. So I'll just read you the title of some of his books that have been published in the last uh, five or six years. Uh, God, The Failed Hypothesis, How Science Shows That God Does Not Exist. And that's pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, the New Atheism, Taking a Stand for Science and Reason. The Fallacy of Fine-Tuning, Why the Universe is Not Designed for Us. So that's taking a swipe both at the so-called fine-tuning argument and the intelligent design argument. Uh, God and the Folly of Faith, The Incompatibility of Science and Religion. Now one of the things I want to point out, perhaps the message I want you to go away with, is that science and religion aren't incompatible. So I'm going to talk more about this. But just the very fact I'm standing here before you, as you see I'm a professional physicist, I'm a Christian, uh, I'm living proof, if you like, that uh, science and religion can uh, coexist. So uh, perhaps the, the most famous living physicist is Stephen Hawking, uh, and he has uh, on record as saying that the simplest explanation is that there is no God, uh, so he's often taken to be an atheist, but I think his views are a little uh, more uh, subtle than that. Uh, he wrote a book, for example, a few years ago called God Created the Integers, so uh, perhaps he wouldn't have written a book of that title if he uh, thought there was no God. Uh, but he's very opinionated on a number of areas and, uh, and perhaps not all his views should be taken on face value. For example, he has uh, he said that philosophy is dead. Uh, he had a, a bet, a, a famous bet, that the Higgs boson would not be found. Well, he lost that bet. He's, he's paid up. Uh, so his judgment always isn't uh, to be relied on. But the Higgs boson actually brings us right up to date because the Higgs boson was the subject of last year's Nobel Prize in Physics. Uh, Peter Higgs and Francois Engler, they were awarded the Nobel Prize for the discovering this, or the, this fundamental particle, uh, which is often referred to as the Higgs boson, but it's also known uh, popularly as the God particle. And uh, Higgs, himself an atheist, uh, objects to this terminology, the, the God particle, uh, and you just wonder, is this suggesting that Higgs is God? Uh, is it suggesting that Higgs doesn't want to be associated, or doesn't want to be identified with God? Uh, so possibly neither of those. But uh, in, in any case, the, uh, the 2013 Nobel Prize brings us right up to date with this brief survey of what I'm calling celebrity uh, atheistic physicists. So let's go back and look at what physics is about, and it's essentially about matter and energy and how they interact. And really physics is, that's all it's about, right? right that is what it's about, and uh, that's where uh, its domain stops. So in this sense, you could say, well, physics is, is godless. It, it doesn't have God, doesn't have a place for God. It excludes God. By definition, uh, God is not in physics. So uh, from that perspective, physics will never, never find God uh, because God is ruled out uh, of the game at the outset. And I think that's essentially the case. But likewise, physics will never disprove God because uh, it's so-called written into the rules that uh, God is not invoked. <clears throat> so I think an analogy here is helpful with something like a game of, and I think of the game of uh, chess, but all, all games have rules and they make sense within, uh, within those rules. So for example, in chess, uh, the pawn always moves forward, the pawn uh, can't move backward. Now, uh, within chess, the pawn doesn't move backward. But of course that doesn't mean there's something physically to prevent me moving a pawn backward or even uh, picking it up off the board and throwing it in the air. Uh, but if you were to say, well, well, chess is all there is, these rules are always followed, uh, you would rule out those actions of, uh, of uh, taking the pawn and, and, taking it, uh, and throwing it in the air. 
So I think within the game of physics, it's not permitted to invoke God or to explain uh, or to explain something uh, otherwise unexplainable by by using God. Invoking God is not not in the rules or in the game of physics. Uh, so to hold that physics explains everything, uh, that there's no place for God, as an atheistic physicist might, well, that is really saying that matter and energy and their interactions and uh, what we can find out about those is all that there is. All that there is. Uh, to have the analogy that every game of chess has followed the rules and it's never happened that uh, nowhere has a pawn moved backwards. So, uh, so of course, uh, this is where I think I differ from an atheist physicist or where we can have another view, that while physics is in undoubtedly successful in its realm, and in its, uh, according to its rules, there are areas that are outside uh, the realm of physics. Now, the fact that there are areas outside the realm of physics is almost built into the definition of, of physics or science because science uh, deals with phenomena that are reproducible. So this is a term that's used to describe this. Uh, phenomena that can be observed or can be uh, reproduced over and over. So repeatability or reproducibility is something that's, uh, that's just needed for it to be, uh, the, the phenomena to be subject to scientific discovery and exploration. In 1984, John Rigdon gave a very interesting uh, angle on this in writing an editorial in the American Journal of Physics where he compared the discovery of cathode rays with the uh, phenomena of Moses and the burning bush. And he said this, so let me quote, Unlike the flaming bush, a private experience, cathode rays went public. The burning bush and green glow of, of cathode rays symbolise the distinct methodological differences between religion and science. The report of Moses must be taken on faith. There is no way it can be confirmed. By contrast, the green glow of cathode rays can be ignited anytime at any place. Any claim about cathode rays can be tested at will. So physics is about things, phenomena, that can be tested by repeating the experiment or the observation. So something which has happened only once, uh, a unique event, such as a burning bush, not a bush burning and not being consumed, or uh, a person rising from the dead, uh, never to die again, those unique events are not physics doesn't mean they did not happen, but rather they're outside the realm of scientific description. And interestingly, on this topic of uh, reproducibility, according to the commonly uh, accepted theolo uh, theolo cosmological theory, uh, the universe came into existence once. Now, there are various theories about the, uh, the universe, whether it expands and collapses, expands and collapses, whether it's just continuously being made and uh, past is the same as the present and the future. It's been there forever, it will be there forever. We can't distinguish uh, now and another time. But those theories on scientific grounds are now replaced by the so-called Big Bang Theory, that there was a definite uh, beginning or the time we can go back to and we can't get before. And the universe uh, expanded out from here. Now that is a one-off event. I mean, the universe, according to that theory, only uh, came into being once. So in a sense... Uh, this is not something that can be tested or reproduced and so is uh, not, not precisely or not by definition within the realm of physics. 
I might give another example to do with the Higgs boson. Now, with cathode rays, I can make, maybe it says anyone can produce cathode rays. Maybe you that yourself don't produce cathode rays. I certainly in my lab can go and produce some cathode rays if I like, uh, and uh, people can do it. That's not hard. But the Higgs boson, there is only one place in the world where that can be produced. It's in this uh, collider that's over, over in Europe, uh, there on the border with Switzerland and France. And it's not something I could reproduce. It costs billions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of people involved. So in a way you ask, is that physics? How can that be tested? Who can do an independent measurement of, such a, of something which is done on such a scale. All right, I, I mentioned uh, physicists, many physicists are atheists, uh, so it's almost expected that a physicist will be an atheist. Uh, so if I talk about an atheist physicist, it's uh, remarkably unremarkable. It, it's almost a tautology. Uh, but I do want to make clear that the conclusions about God uh, are not within the realm of physics. They're belief statements. They're beyond physics. So if it's admitted that there's something in the universe uh, beyond physics, and except to some physicists, I think a lot of people would find that quite plausible, uh, then there is no reason why someone uh, such as myself cannot uh, practice physics as a profession uh, while practicing Christianity as a way of life. Now, there are some professions which are inconsistent with some faith positions. Uh, for example, a Buddhist won't be employed as a butcher uh, or we had Islam last week. I mean, a Buddhist won't be employed as an imam. Uh, so if you have a certain faith position, there are some, uh, some jobs that uh, you won't be eligible for. But being a physicist doesn't, uh, doesn't rule out one uh, being a Christian and, and vice versa. So uh, I quote from the Australian Institute of Physics Equal Opportunity Policy, uh, similar to many workplace policies I get here. It says uh, it advocates participation in physics regardless of uh, here are the words in the document now, ethno-religious affiliation or religious belief. So as far as the Australian Institute of Physics is concerned, uh, it doesn't matter what you believe uh, as far as religious beliefs go. Uh, it doesn't matter, of course, what ethnicity you are or what gender you are, but people of all these uh, backgrounds, almost it's irrelevant what your uh, faith is uh, when it comes to the practice of physics. Let me just uh, give you some examples. I've, I've cited some uh, well-known atheist physicists. Perhaps uh, you don't know there are quite a lot of uh, Christian physicists around the place. Uh, so I'll just, uh, I've got a, a list here of a few. Ross McKenzie, for example. Uh, he's a professor of physics at the University of Queensland. Uh, he has a blog, uh, To the Glory of God, uh, and in that he mentions many uh, Christian physicists that he meets in his travels. Uh, John Pilbrow, he was the past president of the Australian Institute of Physics. Uh, he lives in Melbourne. He uh, serves on the General Synod of the Anglican Church. Uh, John Horton, he was a professor of atm atmospheric physics at Oxford University in the UK. Uh, he's written books such as Does God Play Dice? A look at the story of the universe. Uh, John Polkinghorn was a professor of mathematical physics at Cambridge University. Uh, then he more or less gave that away and became an Anglican priest. So uh, phenomenologically, if we just take a, do an experiment or make some observations, it's indisputable uh, that the profession of physics uh, does not exclude uh, the profession of Christ. And so this abstract statement, uh, it's not possible to uh, follow physics or be a physicist and be a Christian, is, is uh, patently false. Uh, so, uh, so you may gather I, I do not think that physics disproves Christianity uh, and... Uh, there still though may be a vague unease or there was this idea during the rise of modernism, I suppose, 
that, uh, that science was uh, excluding religion, that uh, the, as science expanded, the place for God uh, decreased. But that idea, uh, that, uh, that simple uh, conflict model, we might say, of Christianity and science, I think is no longer, no longer held, no longer held widely or no longer held uh, professionally. And uh, I think a simple way to express this is that all truth is God's truth. And if something is true, uh, if there's a statement about it coming from the Bible, if there's a statement coming about it from the natural world, uh, they must be reconcilable. There must be a way of uh, understanding that truth. And to bear in mind that God is more interested in truth than probably even you and I are. So he is, he is interested in, in truth. He's a God of truth. And, uh, and we shouldn't be afraid of discoveries in the natural sciences. Now we could turn the tables and say, ask the exact opposite. Is it, is it possible that physics might prove Christianity? And you might uh, come across this position. There are certainly books written along these lines uh, saying just take a look at the, uh, at the stars and, and uh, how can you not believe in God? So Psalm 19, one for example states, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. And Paul writes in Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So, so nature by itself, or, or possibly natural theology, uh, or perhaps science, uh, from those verses we think should lead us, lead us to God. And uh, and uh, seems in practice, though, that seldom happens. Uh, so Paul, again, if I can quote from Romans 1, again has an explanatory word about this. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. Uh, but you may recall, those of you who are you know, my age or thereabouts, you may recall uh, the catchphrase, Why is it so? Uh, popularised by a television personality, radio personality, Julius Sumner Miller. Why is it so? Uh, this is always his question. So why is the sky blue? Well, you can answer this a number of ways. Uh, an automatic Christian response, which is not wrong, is to say, God made the sky blue. So uh, that statement, I would say, is true. But that's not the sort of statement that would uh, satisfy a physicist. So a physicist would say something like, the sky is blue because a blue light is scattered more strongly than red light uh, by the particles in the air. So... Uh, so you might accept that or you might uh, go a bit deeper and say, well, why is it so? Why is blue light scattered more than red light? So then uh, if you ask a physicist, a physicist would uh, go back to Maxwell's equations which describe uh, light and the interaction of light and matter and it could do a, a derivation concerning interaction of uh, light with matter and demonstrate that uh, short wavelength radiation is scattered uh, more than long wavelength radiation. But you might still say, well, but why is that so? Why is that so? Why uh, are you um, using Maxwell's equations? And somewhere here, a physicist would stop. Uh, a physicist would say, Maxwell's equations describe the way the world is. So if you ask, why are, Maxwell's, why are there Maxwell's equations? That's just the way the world is. That, that it's just so because that's how it is. And so in the end, physics ends somewhere. Uh, it ends, in this case, as uh, said, with Maxwell's equations, and you can't really go beyond that or get a fuller explanation. So, uh, in some sense, that's unsatisfactory. In another sense, that's just all physics, uh, physics uh, claims to do. Now, I said right at the outset, why is the sky blue? A Christian could say, well, because God made it. Uh, that, that is true. 
now, right at the end of this chain of arguments, when you say, why are Maxwell's equations true? Why is it so? A Christian can say, because that's the way God crafted the universe. The universe is made in such a way that this is how light operates. So, uh, in a nutshell, uh, while physics does not disprove Christianity, physics does not prove Christianity either, Rather, they don't, physics doesn't exclude, but is consistent with Christianity, and vice versa, uh, Christianity does not exclude, but, but coheres with physics. And all truths, as I've said, whether evident in the natural world or whether revealed in the Bible, belongs to God. So I've been talking about these levels of uh, understanding and of an analysis and meaning, and I guess the fundamental question then becomes what is fundamental, or what is at the base of everything? Uh, is it a law of physics? Uh, is it some sort of inanimate force field? Uh, or is it, as the Bible claims, a person? Put in another way, in the end, uh, what matters? Is it what you know uh, or is it who you know that counts? Well, in the end, what matters most has been revealed in the Bible and God uh, had the possibility but did not send an equation. Uh, God didn't send a graph, uh, a table of data, uh, all things I like and relate to, uh, a force field, a conservation principle, uh, a concept uh, that God sent his son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, when, when Saul of Tarsus, who is somewhat of a religious fanatic, uh, was stopped in his tracks on his uh, journey to Damascus, uh, he wasn't stopped by a spiritual insight or, or by a new a uh, revelation of a book of rules. He wasn't stopped by a committee. Uh, he was stopped by, by the person of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and today what, what sums up the universe, uh, what holds it all together, is Jesus Christ. Trust him. <laughs>